to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and our second guest, Navneet Chug, of he's managing partner at the Chug Firm, is sitting in the studio. Navneet, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be here. It's good to have you here, sir. Tell me a little bit about your firm. Well, our firm is 29 years old. We started as a tax firm in 1985, then a CPA firm in 1990, and then a law firm in 1992. Wow. Why the progression? Help me to understand the strategy behind that. Make more money. Okay. <laughs> well, we, that simple. Let's move on then. Yes. <laughs> well, I was in school uh, uh, when I started the tax firm, and uh-huh. then I became a CPA. So we became a CPA firm, and then there was a contest for a writing an essay, and the winner got free law school tuition. So I don't know what I wrote, but two pages better than 333 other people, so I got law school tuition for wow. free. So then... Uh, so the firm's practice has kind of followed your education? Yes. Your development? Right. Okay. So deep down, we have two firms, a CPA firm and a law firm. Okay. How does that um, How does that work together? I don't know that I've had in the thousand plus interviews that I've done on the radio show anyone with that type of uh, service level. So how does that work when you have a law firm and a CPA firm under one roof? It works great. There's 1.2 million lawyers in the United States and 400,000 CPAs and 15,000 attorney CPAs. We, as a matter of fact, have an association called American Association of Attorney CPAs. And I tell all my lawyers, don't come tell me that I'm not good at math because 90% of the fight is about money. So you better be good at math. Mm-hmm. So it works great. Uh, we do corporate work, tax, litigation, immigration and then do general counsel and CFO work for small to medium-sized companies. So you took me right to my next place. Let's let, let's talk about the type of clients that you work with. Uh, people that are listening to our show here on Critical Mass Radio Show, Nemneet, tend to be CEOs running firms of maybe uh, $5 million to $100 million, probably more like 5 to $50 million. That's the sweet spot for the guests that listen to the show. But tell me about the type of people that you work with companies. Well, we have uh, 10 offices and about 300 employees and 114 attorneys and CPAs. So we work with small and medium-sized businesses. We work with mom-and-pop shops. Okay. We work with medium-growing businesses. We work with large businesses, and we have 10 of Fortune 500 as clients. Okay, so you co- you cover quite a ri- wide range. Tell me about the 10 offices. Where, where are they located? Five in U.S., in New Jersey, Atlanta, D.C. on the East Coast, and Santa Clara and Cerritos in California. Okay. And how did you get to this point? Was it through acquisition? Was it organic growth? How did you get into these other markets? Uh, I made made the mistake of uh, reading about Peter Drucker 25 years ago, and he said um, an organization that's not growing is dying. Okay. So I said, okay, we don't want to die, which means we've got to keep growing. Right. So we've kept growing. and. Fifteen years ago, one of my very good employees, his wife got transferred to New York, and he said, I'm sorry, I have to leave. I said, can I come with you? <laughs> so I went with him. So it didn't bother him at all that you wanted to move with him or anything? No. Okay, he said, happy okay, about it. I'll work from home. I said, no, I'm going to start an office across the street from where you live. Wow. I'm going to put in a lot of good furniture. And he says, I'm alone. I said, I don't care. I'm going to go. Let's go buy some plants. Uh-huh. So I decorated the office. So that's how we ha- New York happened. So four of our ten offices are because of marriage. One of our employees got married into that city, and I went with them. What a unique way to grow your firm. What a logical way to grow your firm and not lose key, what I assume were key good employees that you wanted to keep in the firm. 
Yes, Rick. You know, in our business, it's very simple business, good employees and good clients. That's all we have. Right. We're very lucky we have wonderful clients and very, very lucky we have 300 awesome employees. Yeah, because in a service space, which many of the guests that have been on our show are, are in the service space, it really is the quality of your staff that determines your value proposition, yes. isn't it? Yes. I mean, you can put tools and systems and right. marketing, and you need all that other stuff too, right. but right. at the heart of it, it's the right. delivery of the service by the individuals that you choose to bring onto your team. Right. And like Jim Collins says, and good to great, if you get good employees, they'll put in the systems for you. Right. It all starts with the good employees, right? Correct. Right people on the bus. Yes. Okay. Well, we're you're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. Navneet Chug is our guest. He's managing partner for his firm, the Chug Firm, which we're exploring a little bit. I wonder if you could talk about and maybe address the three main factors that make your firm unique. I have them here as accessibility, efficiency, and superior client service. Can you can you take us through that those elements? Right. Um, you know, the first thing in our business is to be able. And you have to be good. So we hire good employees, and we spend a lot of money on training. And the second thing is we have to be available. So we're available 24 hours a day somewhere in our offices open in the world. Right. And we work late at night, and our employees have their cell phones on their signatures. And uh, we have five offices in India, so I work with them every night. And so we want to be available at all times because when clients have problems, they want answers uh, right away in this new age and then uh, we have to be affordable so we try our best to do value billing and what do you mean by that that if it's going to take us six hours to do something and the client's problem is only worth two hundred dollars then i'm not going to charge the client five hundred dollars to solve a two hundred dollar problem and for 29 years that i've been running the firm i've told my clients hey you get an invoice, and if you don't like any piece of it and you don't want to pay, just cut the charge from the invoice hmm. and say no value received and send us a reduced payment and nobody will say a word to you. Can I ask them, the, does that happen? Rarely. But if they do it? They do it. I've told my accounting staff that I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to see the client's letter because I don't want to be tainted. Next time I'm talking to the client, and whatever the client says, please do it. You know, I, I, I want to sit on that point for a second because I, I I lead CEO peer groups for business owners, and, and sometimes one of the members will talk about a, an interesting guarantee or value or offer that they'd like to make, and sometimes there's a conversation about, well, what's the risk of that, and will people take advantage of you if you if you make these claims and these offers? And it has been my experience that they don't, that they only do it when it's appropriate, and very few times... Maybe you have to fire a client who's abusive with that. But generally speaking, people are good. They they value the fact that you're willing to stand behind your claim. Correct. And your experience sounds like it supports that as well. Of course. Don't be afraid to make that offer, right? Never had a problem. Okay. So we're talking with Navneet Chug, and you were going through accessibility, efficiency, and superior client service. So ha- have we touched on all three? Yes. And I think the superior client service, uh, in my mind, comes from giving advice that is tainted with good business sound logic. I I don't think clients want to ever hear that, hey, you can't do it. So I try not to ever say that. That's a hard thing to hear from your advisors, isn't it? Yes. And sometimes uh, CPAs, but then also attorneys, lawyers, are are sort of known for maybe being a little that way at times? Right. Okay. So I only tell clients what can be done and don't ever say to them that this can't be done. There is always a solution. 
Right. So you're looking at the business imperatives behind the opportunity, not maybe some of the regulations, et cetera, Correct. helping them figure out the way to get it done. Correct. So that has to be very valuable in someone as trained as you are and your staff, the size and organization yes. that can deliver on that. Yes. And I think if you start thinking like that, if you don't think like it, there'll never be a solution. But if you start thinking like there has to be a solution, the client wants it done. And, yeah, there is a law in the middle, but there is always a way. We don't have to do anything illegal, right? which I would never, ever do or recommend to anyone. But there is always a solution. Just have to find it and be yes. creative, right? Yes. Navneet Chug is our guest here in Critical Mass Radio Show. So talk to me about your global footprint. And, and, and now, Navneet, I'm most interested in middle-sized firms that are your clients. How does your footprint your people in India benefit middle market CEOs that are here in North America? Well, we're technically the only law firm in the world that has an office in India and U.S. We have an exclusive affiliate relationship with uh, an, a firm in India, Okay, which some of our partners are partners in the Indian firm as well, because India doesn't allow foreign lawyers to practice in, in India. So we have five offices in India, okay. um, and we do inbound work, which is... American companies going and setting up shop in India, oh. we do everything for them. Okay. So when Indian companies want to come to U.S., which is part of our practice, mm-hmm. we help Indian companies settle down in U.S., employment work, tax work, real estate work, litigation, immigration. Our Indian offices help European and American companies wanting to do business in India, and we do everything for them. So, Namdi, let's let's look at it from both perspectives. From your experience and years of doing this and and ability to understand both cultures, is one way more challenging than the other, setting up an American firm in India or an Indian firm in America? What is your experience? Tell me. I don't think there's any country in the planet uh, in which bus- to do business is as easy as United States. It's easy. As contrary to what you might think or hear or feel, United States is the easiest country to do business in. From what perspective? Every perspective. Uh, in spite of the laws, in spite of the rules, in spite of the regulations, uh, this country, it's very easy to do business. Language, paperwork, access to law, justice, access to courts is just beautiful. Can I ask, from an acceptance of a company into the into the U.S., is that a factor as well? You know, kind of um, the fact that you can open up a business here and may not be a local entrepreneur is is that is do you do you see that being more accepting in the U.S. as well? Does that make sense the way yes. I'm asking it? Yes, uh, and it has been like that for 300 years. The U.S. has welcomed foreign money. Right now, we've had a law since 1990. You invest a million dollars in a business in the United States, you get a green card. So the what? green card is on what's sale it? for a million bucks. And what's the what's the logic behind that from your perspective? I think and the, the benefit to the U.S.? I think the logic to that has been that the world looks for a safe country to invest in, in which they can invest and easily get a stock certificate and easily own it. Nobody's going to steal it from them. And it's So the rule of law? Rule of law. Okay. I think it was Hernando de Soto who wrote a book many years ago, How the West Has Won, and he says two simple things that every American takes for granted, having a stock certificate and having a real estate deed which takes five minutes in the United States, is a big challenge in the rest of the world. And you're right. We do take that for granted. That's sort of just accepted, isn't it? Yes. Well, this is great perspective that you're giving us. So 
Are you suggesting then that there, there are still some greater challenges going the other way then for an American firm to open up shop in India? But it's been very common in, in, in many sectors and many industries, very prevalent as a business practice. Yes. Uh, India got independence in 47. So from 47 to 1991, it was very difficult. Since 1991, India has opened up and liberalized and is doing great. And okay. it's gotten much easier and it keeps getting easier every month. The government keeps uh, doing new rules and regulations, which making business easier to enter into India. Mm-hmm. But it's still far more difficult than the United States. But I tell my clients, it's not your problem. It's my office's problem in India. You give me a corporation name, and I'll have you up and running. That's right. all I want. Right. Well, I, I spent many years in technology, and it's very common for technology companies to have a, a large footprint of software developers and, and, and um, knowledge workers that are based in India and different parts of India. As well. Yes, yes. That, uh, thanks to liberalization in 1991 and the tech boom in 1995, right. and the Y2K crisis in 2000, and then the internet uh, boom and crash, and India has been booming. So, is it your perspective that by setting up businesses cross-culture like that, that that's actually, for the global economy, beneficial? I think so, and I think uh, the world is realizing that United States and India are two wonderful allies, Because what's important in this country is exactly what's important in India. What makes this country tick is education and entertainment and religion and politics. And those four things dominate every layer of uh, Indian culture. Last question, then we're going to take our commercial break, Namit. Do you think that's partly attributable to our shared history relative to being associated to Great Britain or the United Kingdom? I think partly, and the fact that the U.S. is the oldest democracy and India is the largest democracy had a lot to do with it. Excellent. Wow, this is great perspective. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Thank you for coming in today. We're going to take our last commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Navneet Chug is going to be back on the show. We're going to have an interesting conversation for the last eight minutes of the show when we get back. Hold on. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. Marketing predictions are out for 2015, and marketing success is changing. Did you know that Google is now actively tracking your business and personal brand and online reputation? Online and offline marketing has changed. Google is driving more than 85% of your traffic. And if your brand is inconsistent or has poor mobile usability, your rankings and traffic can suffer in 2015. To learn how your business is currently viewed, and what can be done to improve your brand's visibility and authority? Contact SunUp Group for a free marketing analysis. It could be a business game changer. Visit www.sunupgroup.com today or call 877-609-3840, extension 700. Let's face it, not all company challenges are the same, which is why strategic market intelligence can help identify the actionable information you need to be more competitive. Gain a better understanding of your brand, competition, best prospects, or new product opportunities to generate greater revenues in 2015. Call 949-357-9547 or visit www.strategicmarketintelligence.com. 
Successfully navigating the changing world of public relations and digital marketing requires an experienced, tenacious, yet gracious team. In business for more than 20 years, Orange County-based and Company delivers big agency results with personalized service. For more information, call us at 714-536-8407 or visit us online at tnco.me. And welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. The Chug is my guest. We're talking with him. He's the managing partner of the Chug Firm, and I am Rick Franzi, your host. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download the radio show as a podcast. You've listened, you've downloaded and listened to over 16,000 episodes during the last 30 days. And we here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose companies have put their interview with their CEO on their website as well as various other podcasting services. If you're not a regular subscriber to our show, simply go into your favorite podcasting software, type in these four words, Critical Mass Radio Show. You'll get our weekly updates. We do at least one show a week. This week we're doing two. I'm going to do another show tomorrow. Today's Tuesday. That'll be Wednesday. Now, Nate, um, I'd like to ask you your guiding principle. For me, here on Critical Mass Radio Show, it's your overarching philosophy for how you started the firm and then as you continue to lead and grow it. Could you share your guiding principle with our audience? Yes. Uh, I think uh, my business is very simple. It's a service business, and I have two things to to two uh, areas to be worried about and take care of. One is employees and one is clients. And I think if I could just be fair and decent and honest and act in integrity with both employees as well as clients, then all of my problems remain solved. So so are there times when you have to remind yourself of that guiding principle? I guess it gets becomes ingrained in you. Okay. And so every action you take, everything you think about doing, it it's just the bottom line. It's just a foundation you operate from. Right. And I, my experience is then that the employees of your firm begin to learn that from watching your behavior. Right. More than what you say, it's how you make decisions and act and direct them to act as well, right? Right. Because it really does bleed into the culture. Yes. Uh, this sounds like a foundational belief system for your culture. Right. It builds the culture from which it, it springs from and maintains itself. Right. And, and I would think having not just remote offices, but international offices, maintaining the culture must be a little bit of a challenge just because of you know time zones, culture, etc.? It is a challenge. I noticed that people who worked in our headquarters, when they go to some other office, those offices tend to do better. Okay. Why, do you be- think? Because they worked with us, they trust us. They can't believe that an organization can run in such an ethical manner. When we get some outsiders, they have a hard time trusting us that this is something's wrong no organization can be so ethical yes and they don't have the culture and i think uh, you know uh, part of the guiding principles is is four things we concerned about speed brand talent and culture and i i have a sticky on my desk and i look at it every day and i think about it every day that my concern as ceo of the organization has to be speed brand talent culture and integrity Speed because the way the world is operating now. Uh, brand because people are brand conscious, and that's how you remind people that you're ethical and you operate in integrity. And talent because that's all we have. That's the only machineries we have, our people. So we invest a lot in our people. And then we have an awesome culture, really, really wonderful culture. We have a lot of fun. 
we do a lot of crazy stuff mm. and there's crazy stuff happening every day every week in all offices you're saying a, bu- a bunch of attorneys and cpas do crazy things yes well i love that that's that's <laughs> almost counterculture in some ways you know tony shea uh, who has built zappos uh, said and it's the first time that i thought of it this way he said your culture is your brand you can't maintain for the long term a separate brand from what your culture really is because it's really culture is when your clients touch your company. And usually that's touching your people, right? Right. That's where they see your culture and your brand. It comes into one. I thought, well, you know, that Tony Shea was so right in that because do you think of maybe even professionals and, and, and people who have a certain professional brand, but their personal culture is different. Once we learn their culture is different than their brand, what do we believe? Their culture. Right. right? We don't believe what brand right. marketing they said. And sometimes they can never get that back. Right. And it must be hard with this many people to make sure that people really appreciate and understand these four principles. But the fact that you've been able to distill it down into four communicatable issues must help you in building and reinforcing the culture, right? It helps. And, you know, we have a a culture of trust. And, uh, for instance, we have a servant leader, a a quarter. We just pick people at random, people either volunteer. Sometimes we have a contest of who can be a servant leader. Hmm. And these are not managers, not owners, anybody in all offices. They run the firm for three months. Really? Yes. Wow. Servant leader at the quarter. Wow, what an honor. Right? Yes. What an opportunity for them to appreciate what it means to be the leader right. as well, right? Right. Because sometimes you can't really appreciate it till you have to do it. Correct. Till you're in that seat. At least we've transformed one person a quarter. Right. And they probably reverberate within the organization for the other people who know, like, and trust them. Right. They, they, they are in, uh, in positively influencing people about their experience as well. Right. And we tell them to make sure clients are happy, make sure employees are happy, make sure university sessions are happening, training is going on, there's fruit at the office, there's lunch at the office, there is fun activities going on, there's debates, um, there's birthday celebrations, there's outings, celebrations for Every good thing that happens to the farm, we celebrate. What an exciting thing. Uh, what a great conversation. I appreciate your time. We have about two minutes left. Tell me about the future for your firm, and, and then me, where are you going with this? Where do, where do you see it? Well, our challenge and our growth is one and the same. Uh, we have uh, a CFO of one of the largest clients says to me last month that, Navneet, uh, why can't you off- open more offices in other countries? Because whenever we go to any country, I tell my employees, hey, find a chug over there because we want a farm like yours. So can you please start an office in England? Can you please go to Singapore? Can you please go to Brazil? Wow. I love can it when customers lead you that way. Are, yes. are, are you going to be able to do that? Well, we started thinking about it. We've made a lo- list of 20 cities we want to be at. We recently entered into an arrangement with a professional service organization that provides immigration service around the world, okay. 80 countries. So I've communicated that to my clients that you wanted us to be in more countries. Here we go, 80 more countries. Wow. I tell you, it, it feels like you're on the next growth spurt then for the firm. I mean, this sounds, I love it when an entrepreneur listens to their clients. It's more impressive that their clients want to do, want to do more business with you. That speaks volumes, right? Right. But then to be also be able to take the appetite and take action on that is very right. powerful and neat. Yes. I really enjoy this. How does someone learn about your firm online? How do they find you? Chug.com. C-H-U-G-H.com. I'm sorry, I talked over you. Would you spell that again? C-H-U-G-H. 
Com. I'd like to have you back in the future. Would you like to come back and talk about your firm? My pleasure. Every All right. day. All right. Well, we're going to end the show. Well, we'll have to do that. We, I'll have Crystal, our producer, work with you, and we'll find another time to have you back, sir, to talk more about you, you and your firm. I'd like to thank our advertisers for making this all possible. Center Club, Community Bank, Decision Toolbox, Executives Unlimited, MBN Design, S&H Rubber, Strategic Market Intelligence, SunUp Group, TN Company, Tone Software, Turn up the volume and UPS protection. This is your host, Rick Franzi, saying until the next time we have a chance to talk, which will be tomorrow for those that listen to us live on OCTalkRadio.net, I hope that all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 